0: welcome to the irish tech news podcast with simon cocking senior editor i'll be doing a series of interviews with people at the cutting edge of green tech clean tech and anything else that we think is interesting and worth listening to for you guys our listeners okay so hi today uh we're very fortunate to be talking uh with jill um so first of all uh can you just explain uh who you are, and then we're going to have a uh, delve into. Um, so this is Jill Godsill who writes for Irish Tech News, but has done many things. And as you do, as we do the interview, you'll see why we thought it was interesting to have her on. So first up, uh, how would you introduce yourself?
1: Ooh, thank you. Um, uh, well, I, I was going to say as a writer for Irish Tech News, and um, which is very important to me. Um, I, my, I guess my background. I have got thirty years of fintech. I started off with JP Morgan in London worked around the world, Australia and Singapore and so like that, in fintech, but more on the PR side of things. Um, I came home to Ireland, ooh, 26 years ago, and um, I moved increasingly into more journalism. And now, the last couple of years, I, I would call myself now a journalist and broadcaster. And in the last three years, also, I've been fortunate enough to travel the world pre-COVID Sharing and talking at conferences, and I have to say, uh, this kickstart of that was down to you and Irish Tech News for sending me out invitations in the beginning. So, thank you very much.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, look, I think it's good to share. I think if any one individual person had done all of those trips we were getting offered, then we'd have either been divorced or driven crazy. <laughs> so, you know, I think well, it was good to be able to offer it to you, but you were a good person to go.
1: Well, I I, I grabbed it with both hands, as you know, but I was very grateful to get it because I remember my first trip abroad was Kiev at a Fashion on the Blockchain event. And oh my goodness, I was so worried going to Kiev by myself. (laughs) Turned out I was treated royally. I had an assistant the whole time, you know, and taxis at my disposal. And I was staying in the Hilton. It was very glamorous. But um, yeah, no, all... In the early days, all the invitations came via ITN, Tech News, and uh, it's a great organization because it gave me a huge opportunity to meet people and travel and learn more.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, and, and, and I was lucky enough to get to Kiev after you. Uh, it did look interesting, but I felt that fashion wasn't really my strength. <laughs> um, well, you know, was and,
1: your, I think to myself, I haven't got anything to wear. <laughs> As a man, you can just throw in a pair of trousers, but, oh, I... I, I I, I went berserk to find suitable clothes to wear at that event. It wasn't easy.
0: Mm-hmm. Look, I mean, and so I guess one of the reasons I thought it was interesting to have you on now was um, because uh, you know we, we recently uh, did the piece about you working with uh, Electronium. So I guess um, what 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 do you do for companies like that, and 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 what kind of value and insights? do you help to give them and i guess obviously that comes from the 30 years in financial services and writing but so so what is it that they look for from you well
1: i i've kind of reached a point in my career where both my age and my gender is a positive which is amazing in this sector not in, not, in, not in the other sectors i may add but the fact that i'm 55 and a woman is really 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 advantageous because there aren't many women. There are only about 14, four and six percent women in the blockchain space. And we need more women because it's way too important to be uh, left to men alone. And uh, my little joke is, if the Lehman Brothers had been the Lehman sisters, we might not have had the 2008 financial crash, boom, boom. So it's, I, I passionately believe in this area. I think it's so important. And I think it's an antidote to what's wrong with this world. And as a result, because I believe so strongly in it, it's so important to have women in this space. So as a woman, I add value because everybody's going around with the, it's a sausage fest currently. We know that. And to uh, the goal of, I would say, 99% of people in this industry is mass adoption, people to understand it and get people in. And who better than someone like myself, who I'm like a middle-aged, middle-class lady. I am not scary at all. <laughs> I could not, I jumped up in the dark at you. I, would, I couldn't scare you. So, and, and combine that with my fintech and my passion for the area, for the sector, it, it, it means that I can bring a lot to any company because I'm like, I'm so I'm all in blockchain I'm all in and then I have also too as well your listeners may not know I have a bit of a 10-year run in, in activism when I, I did hear that crash in 2008 and I lost my home to the banks and I fought them and I fought the government I fought the narrative that failing financially was somehow a shameful thing I changed the law and I ran in the 2014 European parliamentary elections and I earned 11,500 votes in four weeks so I was very happy with that not enough to get elected but enough to know what I was saying meant something and then the following year I met blockchain I went Ah, now this is interesting. So what can I offer people? Like Electronium, I, they're one of the first companies I heard about in this space. Um, and I love what they're doing. And I know the I've interviewed the, the CEO several times now, but he's a very successful businessman. He's doing this because he loves crypto and he wants to make the world a better place. And that to me is like tick, 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 tick. And they are helping the unbanked. Because the hard thing, if you're unbanked, you don't want to bank the unbanked. Why would you want to put people into a banking system that does not serve as people? But he wants to help the unbanked. So you still need access to credit. And you still need access to, to transfer value. And what he does is he allows people to earn cryptocurrencies. That's hard. If you, if you haven't got a, if you're not a developer maybe, or, you know, in a third world, a developed world, how do you earn cryptos? It's not that easy. So he set up this, this platform called AnyTask, which is like Fiverr, but uh, people all, all you need is a smartphone, and you can... I mean, I, I've, I've availed services on, on there already, and I paid, I think it was $45 to a Nigerian student to lay out a book for me, and that's about a month's salary for him. So that's pretty cool. I get a very good value thing. He gets money. But what's even more important, if you are unbanked, trying to get crypto out of an exchange into fiat is very hard if you don't have your KYC or you know your customer details. A lot of people don't have driving licenses. They don't have passports. How do they KYC themselves? how do they kyc themselves so what he has he's made uh, agreements with telecoms in 100 well, most of the african continent, I think, where you can use electronium to pay for your minutes and your data or you can swap them between okay. your friends and in four countries he's also made agreements with um, utility providers you can pay for your, your utilities using electronium that to me is mind-blowing so you're helping people earn Electronium, earn crypto, and then you're helping them spend it in a meaningful way. And it's, it's not, I mean, we're in the middle of the hype for the DeFi at the moment, it's all full moon to the moon. And that's kind of exciting, it's, it's kind, of, kind of weird and wonderful. But this solves a real life problem. So that's why working, I, said, I heard about them from the very beginning, and working with them now is, I'm so happy about this, so happy.
0: Cool. Look, I mean, and that that's good. And you have within your answer helped to tease out for people who wouldn't even be sure how blockchain helps. So I think that that's great and that's informative. So that's really good. Um, so here we are in twenty twenty. Uh, there were similar excited conversations in 2017, 2018. and then you know, some people would feel that it got overhyped and, you know, 2019, a lot of altcoins lost value and people were a bit disillusioned. So so where, where are we now in 2020? Is it like they got on a hype curve and we've gone beyond unrealistic expectations uh, down into the nuts and bolts and actually making things work? Where, where do you feel we are on that, you know, progression? Well, we're definitely
1: on ICO on steroids. There's without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, watching the DeFi space, decentralized finance space recently, and it is mad. And again, I mean, the one caveat I always say is do not invest or trade or put money into anything that you, you, that you cannot afford to lose. So that's, that's the way. So if you have 100 euros and you want to flat plug it in, great. Do not sell your house and put it in here. Because, well, you might be very successful, but you might lose your house as well. But the important thing is that this is, it's, this is, it's so crazy. Like I spoke to somebody yesterday, Jordan Lyle, who is the founder of Meme, Meme, as you know, memes, uh, online mm-hmm. memes. He set that up about a month ago and he's, he's posted a paper and he was poking fun at all these memes because all this okay. in the food stuff. Was, he was poking fun. In two days, he had a community. And then he thought, oh, oh, I better do something with this. They have now, I was checking his coin, well, yesterday, had gone up from like cents to $1,700. And he is a very active community. They're now mining NFTs, non-fungible tokens. That's what they're doing. So they, they and it's all, it's all, they've got governance tokens. It's all run by the community. But that is, and it's like, it's, market cap is like 60 million in a week in, in, wow. in four weeks so that is crazy but that's totally crazy right fascinating but crazy but wh- the good thing about it is that decentralized finance is clever because it takes out the middleman and so people if they have collateral as in uh, they ho- the whole currencies they can deposit them basically using old-fashioned terms they can deposit them in a smart count- contract and earn interest and we know in traditional markets you can't do that at the moment and secondly um, there's no interest to be earned in traditional finance anyway so this is this is it's a real democratization for access to finance for people anybody anybody Mm -hmm. anywhere in the world
0: yeah yeah so i think it is um and you know in many ways when this first came along it was maybe crowdfunding 2.0 so maybe now we're into crowdfunding 3.0 uh having because in some ways with the ico thing it was a little bit the barriers to entry were too low the ability for people to uh, be inappropriately disabuse of their money was too easy so you know perhaps 2020 brings in a more secure way of funding it but yet while taking out the middleman so i I I guess that could be as you said maybe the difference now well it's it's still a bit wild
1: west there was the yam story that they they spun up a protocol and i think in about 24 hours, 400 million flowed in. It was crazy. And then the, it was all open source code and the guy running it said, we haven't had this audited yet. And then somebody did a bit of auditing they discovered there was uh, bugs in it and it all collapsed again. But it, there wasn't any hard feelings because they'd been very open. It wasn't a scam. It was the people, mm-hmm. people are experimenting. So I think the, with, the, with the DeFi, it's less, I, I want to raise all this money and run away with it and go and buy my, my Lambos or whatever. People are experimenting with how can we, what can we do next? How can we? How can we do? So it's it's yeah. experimental. It's still very very um, uh, risky, hugely risky, and quite complicated. I mean, I write about this stuff, but I'm thinking, oh, it hurts my head sometimes. I'm going, what are they doing now? What does that mean? Because have you heard about flash loans? Um, tell us about them. Oh, this is mad. Flash loans. It's it's all about arbitrage, right? You can borrow huge sums of money, up in the millions, with no collateral. So you bar- borrow the money, you see an arbitrage opportunity between two DEXs, two decentralized exchanges. You go off and you borrow the money, you buy something and you sell it, and then you return the uh, original capital and keep the, the, your, your, the difference, the arbitrage, the difference, the profit. Mm-hmm. If any of those deals don't go through, they're all in the same uh, transaction, in the same block. If, if one of those falls down, they all fall down. So it's a no risk bit of gambling. Now, I still don't really know how quite to do that, but I'd love to. So, some, so someone could make hundreds of thousands in, in 10 minutes.
0: Interesting. <laughs>
1: it's I not, mean, I mean, my brain doesn't, I don't know, I, I'm not a trader, right? I understand the concept, but to actually do it, but there, I was on a call last night and somebody from Russia, of course, was talking about this. And, you know, people can make, if you're a trader, you can make hundreds of thousands in a single single trade. And the nice thing is there's no downside because if it doesn't work, it just falls over and nothing was ever borrowed in the first place.
0: Well, okay, so, so a couple of years ago in Dubai, again, I met another Russian who was making money doing this and he said it's money on the floor but he had had to write the specific code to do the arbitrage so so what you're saying it sounds like it's been a natural evolution because there is such a price differential between the different exchanges so uh i I can understand the concept and why people are doing it so i I wish i was a
1: trader (laughs) i really do (laughs) i'd have sorted my pension out in minutes
0: (laughs) but never mind (laughs) so I have a parallel question which it takes this in, and this would be around the fact that uh, in days gone by, um, there was a period when when you wrote more for the print media mm-hmm. than I think you do now and so so obviously like you know you 've had your own podcast you know you have a portfolio of uh, you speak, you advise, you podcast so, so 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 what was the thought process in moving away from being solely? print focused to this wider range of uh, how, how Jill expresses herself? Wow good question. Well I've always been a writer
1: and I started writing um, you know as in professionally I suppose about 15 years ago as before I don't know, obviously my previous jobs I would have written all the time but not as a journalist and you for example gave me lots of starts thank you so much um, and then um, I, what happened was I, I mentioned briefly I went through my activism stage and I during the 2010-2011 I think uh, maybe 2012, I was on radio and television a lot, ranting and raving against the banks, against the governments, against the little people being treated unfairly. You know, the fallout from the 2008 crash where the banks were bailed out and the people were left high and dry. So I got a lot of experience on radio as the guest. And then after a while, I got a bit tired of hearing myself talk about myself. You know, it's a bit boring. And, um, but I thought, I really like radio in particular. And I, I liked speaking as you can tell. And uh, I approached a local radio station, Dublin City FM, and pitched for a program. And I've got it. I got it. I'm three or four years on still doing it. And then with um, East Coast FM, I spent nearly two years there. We're off air at the moment. And I got an nomination last year for a newcomer, my old age, who was great, uh, with the National Radio Awards. And then um, I do a lot of podcasts. I bought a mic. That's a start. And the other thing too as well, I love talking to people. So now I'm, I'm combining them all together because I found because it's a nascent industry and you know this too Simon we get to speak to the makers and shakers in this world I mean it's you you would no more I mean in in traditional finance I would not get to the head of I don't know IBM whatever or Tesco you know just you you don't get there unless you're a really important journalist but because it's also new I'm interviewing people that are on the way up or the way down and that is fascinating so I love I love the interview bit and I try to use the the video I try to use the podcast and then I try and write the article afterwards too as well. Obviously the writing takes the longest, but um, I just, I just love the whole plethora of, of medium, medium.
0: Yeah. And, and I guess the reason I'm, I asked is, is because see, I think in many ways, WordPress was like a democratization of the ability that if you had something to say, whereas previously you had the gatekeepers, if the editor at yeah. the Irish times didn't like your story, well, that was it. You didn't really have an outlet. Whereas WordPress meant, well, stick it on your blog and put it out there. And then, podcasting then becomes maybe the next expression that as well as just writing about it, you could, you know, you can be podcasting it. And then there's so many great plugins that you can turn text to audio and audio to text. So in some ways I I see you as an interesting example of how it's more liberating for you to do it in the way you do now, rather than just pitching to editors at traditional media.
1: Oh, trust me, I, I get so frustrated because I'm well known with the commissioning editors i have written for the papers i know my writing writing uh, standard is good enough for these papers so it's not like i'm a newbie whatever but a they tend not to have budgets for freelancers mm. and in this COVID, the budgets are zero because the papers yeah. are so small so it is it's it, it's frustrating because the same old people get used the whole time and recently a commissioning editor of one of the main broadsheets here went on twitter saying oh i want to Talk to get new voices in all this and all the same. And i actually met this particular person, whom I won't name, at a freelancers' a forum event in Dublin previous year or whatever. I went back to her and I said, "Oh, I remember you." And I pitched several ideas, and she didn't like any of them. But it wasn't that she didn't like any of them. If she wants new voices, perhaps she could have said to me, "Well, maybe that." You know, she 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 rejected all my pitches, but as if a, as a commissioning editor who's looking for new voices, you think she'd say, "Well." write me on this you know here's a topic I need I need doing you let's try you out and that's very frustrating because it's just there's no um it's very hard to get in it's it's a closed shop
0: yeah which I guess is great that that, that, therefore we are where we are and doing this and you're still you know you were still flying around the world and still you know your services are still valued so I guess it shows there are other ways around well, you they go. often
1: say a prophet's not known in their own <laughs> land, isn't there? Because the yeah. thing that I find, and you, you've discovered, this, I think, as well, I know all the IT journalists because I've either pitched to them or I've written for them, and I know them socially uh, quite well, you know, as, uh, as a you know, colleague, whatever. I cannot get any of the IT commissioning editors to let me write about blockchain.
0: Yeah. None. None. yeah.
1: And that, to me, is, is you think media are meant to be, you know, progressive and, and looking at new ideas, and I, and I actually, I pitched someone recently, it wasn't Irish, it was an overseas publication, and I didn't mention cryptocurrency. And I said, I'd really like to, I write about technology, um, specifically blockchain, I'm really interested in that, Would I pitch. And she said, oh, we don't do stories on cryptocurrencies. I'm going, I didn't mention cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. I like to write about projects that make a difference. Like yeah. I the Electronium. That's not about the cryptocurrency. It's about access, getting people access to credit and to money and value. You know, it's, uh, ah, I just find that it's still, in 2020, they still yeah. sort of say, and you saw that big report that came out, did you, in BBC, the FinCERT report about uh-huh. all the banks
0: that are money laundering
1: and all. Yes. Oh, and people still think banks are good and cryptocurrencies are bad.
0: <laughs> so, look, I mean, that's good because that leads on to the, the two questions that I, that I have for you, which is uh, we're, we're in Ireland, right? And mm. And I would say, or would it be fair to say, that Ireland's been a slower adopter of engaging in blockchain-related technologies. Um, like, what's your opinion on it? Because, I mean, like you, know, like, like you say about being a profit elsewhere, we've been invited to a lot of other places to talk about this. But in some ways, I, I feel there's less engagement within Ireland. Uh, do you think that's the case? And if so, why?
1: Um, I definitely think it is the case. It is moving, but very slowly. Um, I'm involved with uh, uh, IDA-hosted uh, meetup called Blockchain Ireland, And um, I discovered, I think, in 2018, it might have been, uh, when Joe Lubin came to Dublin to talk. And there was a bit of excitement. Uh, uh, Joe Lubin made all all the main uh, papers and stuff like that. And he was on Archie News. That's interesting. You know, the founder, co-founder of Ethereum. So that's interesting. You actually have somebody like that on the main... He broke through. Um, And that was during the hype, of course, the ICO hype, because consensus had set up in in Dublin and they had loads of money and they'd hired loads of people, whatever. But it's it it that group that i'm, I'm part of now of course It's we've all gone on zoom but yes and no i tell you i tell you a good a good news story is that uh, there's a chap called dave harney who is with irish life who's now been promoted to the Euro, european uh, holding company so he's, he's a very he's, an, he's a lifer actually joined almost like in the, in the mail room or so yeah. and he's doing a project on identity called emerald and he's involving companies like um, I think I'm wrong now, but ESB, on you know, all these traditional companies looking at blockchain as a way of creating identity. Um, and I heard his talk. I wrote him up and I, I, I wrote two articles about him, actually. And I was speaking with uh, Nicola Stokes, who is the chair of Blockchain Ireland, although she's moving back now. But she said that was fantastic for her because her job in the IDA, she's in the financials and things. And she also has a PhD in AI. So she's a very smart woman. Her job is state inward investment and what she's finding now, like using that article that I did, it's great help for her to go out and say, this is what's happening in Ireland. And it gives it like mainstream adoption. So we need, we need more of that. So she is actively, because obviously we've got nine of the top 10 fintechs, pharma, you know, the, we've, we've got so many um, uh, big, big tech, emerge techs here in Ireland. So, um, but for us to, to, she she needs a kind of that kind of ambition because blockchain is so big and of course with the change now we can all work remotely. She was saying she was um, in Limerick. There was I think a hundred new jobs um, founded for an FDI company coming I mean, in based in Limerick, but one of the people are up in Donegal. You know, so it's all remote. So it's slow. I think we as journalists have an obligation as a voice to write about stuff and to try and get. I mean, I knock on doors all the time and I get a lot of news, but um, I'm quite persistent. So yeah. So it's it's a long-winded answer to your question. We are slow, but I think actually you and I as journalists have a role to play and which we are playing in highlighting some of the most amazing stuff and the work that's been done here and abroad.
0: Cool, okay, that's great. Yeah, and it's a good answer. So I, I think, like you say, it's never as simple as it seems sometimes. And maybe sometimes the commissioning editors for the mainstream media are just maybe the more conservative end of it, whereas actually there's a lot of interesting things out there, but they're just complicated. I mean, I, think I, I, I like to write about
1: things. Like I did an article recently. I'm, I'm writing for Voice, which is the new Block One um, platform on EOS. And it's in beta. It's very exciting. There's a lot of energy in, in that group. But I did an article there on DNA and, and who owns your DNA. And it, it's about blockchain in the end, but it's all about DNA. It's about, it's about the, the Golden Gate killer. It's about it's who you oh, are. Yeah. It's about a big pharma buying all these, these uh, data sets and the people not being paid for. it. So it's a really... It's a huge story. It happens. There happens to be a blockchain element to it. As in, we can. He's this chap I interviewed. He set up encryptgen which is an, a blockchain recording uh, platform for your DNA. So there is that element, but it's a story. So and this is why I get very frustrated. That's a huge story about our DNA capturing killers, discovering who you are, making money from your DNA. That's a real yeah. story. The fact yeah. that it's on blockchain shouldn't put people off.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree completely. And again we were writing about blockchain for a long time before we even put the word Bitcoin into a single piece. Yeah. But I think, I think it's like a, a lazy oversimplification. Well, it's um, like Simon, you are
1: uh, hugely known on the global stage, right? You are, uh, and people listen to this, <laughs> then they might not know, you are like one of the top, I know you're not 10, whatever. You're, you're, mm. You are so well known globally, right? And you, you have been involved with many, many projects, advising and writing with them. And yet here in Ireland, I think you would be hard pressed to find people who know your name. Isn't that funny outside the immediate industry, which is bonkers because I say on the world stage, you are very, very big. And yet locally, is it, is it, I don't know. I feel like knocking people's heads together and saying, look what we're doing on a world stage, you know, and come and join us.
0: Yeah. Oh, you know, I guess, but uh, so we look at it with Irish Tech News that, uh, a large percentage of our traffic is global, so therefore, uh, when it resonates in Ireland, great. And if not, the stories resonate globally, and globally, there's a lot more traffic out there than, than there is within Ireland. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I mean,
1: we're both passionate about this whole area, and um, both, uh, you know, and and that that's the core. And I just, I just, I was speaking so recently, but I said, I want to wear the green jersey too. You know, I want mm-hmm. to go out there and say, Ireland, yay! Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think definitely. I, I, I think I think when it works, you do, and, and and when they're hiring you on your expertise and your insights, and they don't care whether you're in Timbuktu or in the Seychelles or Ireland, then I, I think I think you you you, you, you wear it as, as 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 needed, and less so when less needed, maybe you know.
1: Yeah, no, your point, and actually, and I do love that as well. The fact that I have calls and meetings with people all around the world, you know, it's it's not, it's it's yeah. I love the whole global nature of it. It doesn't matter where. I recently became. I'm an advisor to Coin News Extra, which is a Nigerian-based news media, and, okay. like, and actually they were saying there's actually a panel on at the moment, and they invited me, I thought they wanted me to speak again, because I spoke on their panel before, and I looked at it, and it was, it was the Nigerian government's attitude to cryptocurrencies, and I went, went back to Keen. I said, I have no idea about the Nigerian government's treatment. I said, no, no, it's just to invite you as a guest this time, and went, oh, thank you, my lord. But that's lovely, isn't it? That's amazing, isn't it, how the world is so global. That, you know, you can, I mean, I started my day the other day and, and again, I was at, I was in Nigeria in a conference and then I was in London at something else. And then I was in Australia doing something else. And, and I, and I live a little rural backwater in County Wicklow. It's
0: lovely. So, so this, that's lovely. And also, um, that answers half of my next question, which is how, how has lockdown been for you? And, um, uh, how, how do, uh, how are you planning to, to do things over the next six to 12 months?
1: Um, lockdown after I got over the scare at the beginning has been very good for me and I'm very fortunate that no one I know has been affected by it. I have two sisters who are nurses in Dublin ha- hospital so I'm very scared for them in the beginning. Um, so putting that to one side, the fact that it's, it's a heinous virus and a horrible way to die and so many people lost their loved ones, especially their older ma family members, mean, horrendous. So aside from all that, it, I live in a very rural village. Um, I walk most days, it's beautiful surrounding hills and everything like that. And I have took, I took a painting. I uh, finished a book that I was I just, well, a small little book, that I, a fun book, and I illustrated it. it I, um, and I have been working very hard still in the global space. It's all online, of course. And I'm kind of glad I traveled extensively for about three years. And the last years, like once every second week, I was traveling. So I'm glad to stay put for the moment. I really am, although I was a great privilege to travel all around the world to meet all these amazing people and see all these amazing places. I'm quite glad to say put. And, and I did a lot of volunteering too as well because my radio show stopped. So the producer and I put together a um, a Wicklow Good News podcast. We did over 50 interviews of people doing amazing stuff. We wanted to keep the spirits up in the county, the garden cool. county here. And so it's, it's been an amazing time for me. I haven't, I haven't like rediscovered myself. <laughs> I can't say that. But I, I have enjoyed it. I haven't been touched by pain which is very very fortunate and i've discovered now again that the world has gone on fire again so my industry is mad busy and i'm off oh, working day and night and finally earning some money hooray <laughs> so and and, and I, I expect to continue and I, i'm i haven't hardly been out, out of my ca- county the last six months you know i don't really feel the need to travel at the moment and i'm quite happy to do everything online at the moment. and i think that's the way it's going to go so i'm kind of lucky in my career in that sense
0: awesome so look i mean uh, I, I think that's been great because uh, we've covered the things that i wanted to kind of learn a bit more about about where you're at and how you do it um if people want to find out more about you what's the best way for them to to discover more about you
1: linkedin is definitely the best way linkedin is where i post all my collateral whether it's local volunteering stuff uh, biodiversity all the weird stuff or if it's um it and blockchain related so linkedin for sure and linkedin is great because it's a business platform it's not like facebook is a bit personal twitter i'm on twitter too as well but linkedin is where i'm most
0: active awesome so uh, we'll put all your links in uh, thank you very much for, uh, for being on with us thanks
1: thank you simon and thank you again for giving me the kickstart that i needed three years ago thank you
0: <laughs> you're welcome